Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and like a superhero or something, Noelle LaCroix. <laughs> and I'm story expert and Miss Psycho Pep Squad, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we are here today to talk about Tabula Rasa, the eighth episode of season six. Tabula Rasa aired on November 13th, 2001, and was written by Rebecca Rand Kirshner and directed by David Grossman. Still Pretty is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast, so if you haven't seen all of Buffy, go take care of that and come right back. We'll be waiting for you. Whatever, Umad. Let's go on patrol. In Tabula Rasa, Buffy bumps into Spike while out patrolling, and he wants to talk about what happened between them. We kissed, you and me. All gone with the wind, with the rising music and the rising music. And what was that, Buffy? But Buffy does not. Luckily, a literal lone shark demon comes out of the night to collect Spike's kitten debt. And when Buffy fights them, Spike runs off. Later at Xander's, the Scoobies try to process what they learned from Buffy. Xander decides to just be happy that Buffy's back, but Willow wants to perform a spell to make Buffy forget what it was like in heaven. Tara forcefully objects, and Xander and Anya retreat to let Willow and Tara have some privacy. Tara tells Willow that she knows Willow made her forget. She says that Willow is using magic to make the world the way she wants it, and that's not what magic is for. When Tara says she doesn't think their relationship is going to work, Willow strikes up a bargain to go a week without doing any magic, but Tara is still not sure. Are you saying you're going to leave me? Over at the magic box, Giles tells Buffy that he's going to leave so that she can do things on her own without leaning on him. Buffy's angry and upset that he's abandoning her. The next day, Tara and Dawn leave for a Scooby meeting and Willow's running late, just out of the shower. She sends them ahead, then magically gets herself ready in a flash and goes down to the fireplace where she does a forgetting spell for Tara and Buffy with a bit of lead bramble, lighting it in the fire and touching a crystal to it. When the crystal turns black, the spell will be cast. Tabula rasa, tabula rasa, tabula rasa. Willow rushes out, leaving the Costco-sized bag on the hearth. At the magic box, Willow arrives for the meeting with Xander, who loans her his jacket because it's cold outside. Giles is about to make his announcement when Spike busts in wearing a nerdy suit and a hunting cap as a disguise to keep the shark at bay. You need to give me asylum. Back at the house, a stray spark lights the least Costco bag on fire. At the magic box, Giles tells them all he's leaving and Buffy starts for the door, but Willow calls to her, knowing that in a moment, Buffy will forget. Buffy starts to explain how she feels, how hard all of this is, when the Costco bag burns out and they all fall to the ground. Later that night, everyone wakes up in the dark and no one remembers anything about who they are. As a group, they get to working on the clues. Willow is wearing Xander's jacket, so she thinks they're a couple. Anya fell asleep on Giles' shoulders, so they presume they're a couple. Spike has an English accent like Giles, so he presumes that he's Giles' son. And his disguise has a tag inside that says it's Randy's, so he presumes that is his name. The only ones who get anything right are Buffy, who has named herself Joan, and Dawn, who guesses her name from her necklace when they realize that they are indeed sisters. I feel like a Joan. <laughs> Fine, that's your prerogative. Prerogative. Whatever, Joan. Whatever, Umad. Buffy suggests they work the problem by going to the hospital, but when they open the door, the shark demon's vampire minions are outside. The Scoobies scream, slam the door, and panic. While they try to figure out what to do, the vampires burst in through the window and go for Spike. 
One of them grabs Buffy, but she gets free and instinctively stakes the one attacking Spike. Stay away from Randy! The other vamps run out and Spike drops the grate over the busted window. Buffy turns back to the group, who stare at her, dumbfounded. She's amped up, though, feeling the rush of the sleigh. I'm like a superhero or something. As the shark demon and his minions plan their next attack outside, Buffy figures out that they're after Randy, and she's wicked strong, so she and Randy should run out and draw them off while everyone else goes through the sewers to the hospital. Anya refuses to leave her store, so she and Giles stay behind to see if they can figure out a spell to get everyone their memories back. As Buffy and Spike run out through the group of vampire minions, Spike vamps out and discovers he's a superhero too! (laughs) Buffy sees his face and screams and runs. Spike fights the other vamps, then catches up with Buffy where he figures out his own narrative. I must be a noble vampire. A good guy. On a mission of redemption. I help the hopeless. I'm a vampire with a soul. At the magic box, Giles discovers his plane ticket in his pocket and thinks he must be leaving Anya. He says nothing, but as they follow Anya's intuition and invoke random spells that leave them fighting growling demons, sword-wielding skeletons, and magical bunnies, he loses his patience with her. Oh, no wonder I'm leaving you. In the sewers, Xander, Willow, Tara, and Dawn bump into another vampire. They run and hide in a pipe, and Tara and Willow are huddled close, clearly attracted to each other and very uncomfortable. Willow talks to Dawn, trying to comfort her, and when Dawn asks how she's doing, she has a realization. I think I'm kind of gay. Spike rattles on and on about the Randy Joan narrative. And the two of us, natural enemies, thrown together to stand against the forces of darkness. Out of trust. No thought of me biting you, no thought of you staking me. Depends on how long you keep on yapping. When the vampires attack again, they fight. In the magic box, Giles manages to clear out the spells and he and Anya make up with a kiss. In the sewers, everyone crawls out of the pipe and tries to escape. Willow and Tara fall to the ground on top of each other, and the crystal falls out of Willow's pocket. Dawn throws a shard of wood at Xander, and he dusts the vampire. He gets up and steps on the crystal, crushing it and ending the spell. Giles and Anya realize who they are mid-kiss. Tara looks at Willow, knowing that she did a spell. Buffy realizes who she is mid-fight. She lies on the ground while Spike dispenses of the vampire minions, and the shark demon takes his lead. Spike reaches out to help her up off the ground. She gets up on her own and runs off. Buffy sits alone at the bronze. Tara packs up her stuff while Willow sits on the floor in the bathroom and cries. Giles gets on his plane to England. Spike walks up to Buffy at the bronze and looks at her. She turns her head away from him. He walks away. Tara tries to reach out to Dawn as she carries her boxes out. Dawn turns away from her and runs up the stairs. And by the stairs at the bronze, Buffy and Spike make out. I want you, but I'm not giving in this shame. Goodbye to you. Goodbye to everything that I knew. You were the one Noel, oh my god, Tabula Rasa. I have to say, like, there are a lot of big episodes throughout the run of Buffy that, you know, you like Hush and The Body and Once More with Feeling, all of these ones that are just like so huge, you know, Fool for Love. 
Tabula Rasa is one of the, um, ironically, like one of the episodes that gets forgotten. Yeah. And that makes, it's never considered to be like one of the big episodes of Buffy. And yet I think it may very well be the best episode of Buffy. I am fucking obsessed with this episode. I'm obsessed. <laughs> and I think it. It's so good. I think it probably doesn't stand out because it comes immediately after Once More With Feeling. Um, right. Yeah. But it's tough to follow those big you episodes. Can't, yeah, yeah. The episode that comes after the the stunt episode, which I say with no mm-hmm. judgment, just the we're doing a thing right. and it's huge. Like the high the, concept. Yeah. Sure. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. The the post high concept episode episode, I think and it's, mm-hmm. it's literally a tough act to follow. Right. But yeah. oh, my mm-hmm. God, this this fucking episode, I I'm obsessed. I have mm-hmm. so many notes. They're all over the place. But I just like, I cannot wait. I, I Oh, my God. Your notes on this are great. So I am actually going to let you lead the conversation today because you had all of the, I went in, there were all of these notes. They're all brilliant. You're having all of these deep thoughts. And I'm like, I'll just sit here and come in. I'll just have what she's having. So I want you to just go ahead and run with it. And I'll hop in and comment as needed. You'll hop in and comment with your one note, your one note that's in the notes section. It's- I have, I have notes in your notes. You do. I have yes. things. You have things. You have points. But just, just mm-hmm. portion. Tell them off. what my one note was. Out of look, we have this joint Google Doc that we make our notes and they make their notes. I make my notes. Um, and then uh, you know, usually they have a ton of notes. Noelle has all these notes, and then I'll have like a few, you know, because I usually do my stuff on the fly, and then I write, uh, you know, the the commentary, you know. Or- um, and this time I had like one note, and what was it, Noelle? <laughs> I'm going to scroll down to the very bottom because I want to read it. And I also want I want to honor the punctuation as well. So let me get down. I'm down. OK. All right, folks. I am. How many fucking pages in? I am. Oh, we have a lot of pages. Oh, yeah. my God. So many pages. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Lonnie's one note. How is Spike still sexy in that outfit? How? All caps. <laughs> it's brilliant. And if ever there was a note that was more on brand for me, I don't know what it I was. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but you have only told half the story, which is sometimes uh, it is Noelle who is sliding into home at the last possible minute. <laughs> And Lonnie's like, no, I got you. And then I, I got it. Then I go in and she's got, you know, brilliant story expert, you know. All no, I'm letting you run with this because the thing is, like, when I love something, mostly my thoughts are like, I love it. And that's it. And that's a really boring podcast. But you're having all of these like really deep, interesting. My favorite thing is that Noelle's first headline, you know, in our in our notes is, how do we know who we are? Well, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's deep, man. Yeah, my dudes. I mean, that's a real <laughs> like, but that's uh-huh. that is that is one of the things I love so much about this episode, right? Like, I love this episode for all of the general pockets of delightful character interaction. Um, yes, you know, mm-hmm. it's so good when they're all just trying to figure out what the hell is going on and who they are, and that's so much fun. Mm-hmm. But I also love this episode because it raises some compelling questions. Like, yeah, who are we really? 
And mm-hmm. how do we know who we are? Um, mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. it also, I mean, it also occurred to me that smartphones would make this episode a very different episode. I was oh, talking, yeah. <laughs> I was talking uh, with my girlfriend about if we woke up somewhere <laughs> and like, like how, how soon would we figure out that we were a couple? Um, right. <laughs> and it would be like, it would be so trivial because it would be like, oh, hey, you're in my phone. You're right. really in my phone. <laughs> this is really interesting this in is, my phone. <laughs> this is, you have, I'm mm. just picturing, I just picture her like walking up to me, just being like, you have a tattoo on your outer thigh. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Anyway, anyway. Yeah. But like, I mean, and I would love to see that. Like, I would love to mm-hmm. see the the technology version of an episode like this where it's like, how would we parse out, you know? Oh, it would. Yeah. Like a lot of the problems in storytelling, a lot of the, the you know, uh, the, the things that people have to like work through, you know, end up being irrelevant. Like, you know, smartphones would fix so many of these these kind of, you know, uh, pretenses for these stories. Um, but one of the things that I find really interesting about this whole idea is that like everyone is wrong about who they are, basically, except Dawn. Dawn knows her name. She knows she's a kid. She knows she's Buffy's sister. She figures all that stuff out. Everybody else makes all of these wrong presumptions you know but but I love this question that you have is like how do we know who we are because you have to wonder like how much of who we are is built on our memories and experiences versus just naturally we are who we are like Willow and Tara you know are attracted to each other. It is very, very clear in this that they have that attraction and it is incredibly intense. Uh, Willow is actively not attracted to Xander. Xander wakes up, he's like, hey. And she's like, hi. You know, like clearly not attracted. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. there's a lot going on there too, which we'll get to. But yeah, keep going, keep going because... Yeah, there yeah. there's a lot that's really clear about who there's they are a lot of natural natural things here, you know. Like uh, Buffy and Dawn instantly start bickering, you know. Although Buffy immediately, like right after they've just met, reaches out and smooths out her hair, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that she instinctively does. Um, Giles and Anya have this grudging respect for each other, but also have a tendency toward bickering, which is not entirely unlike their natural relationship. Um, Spike and Buffy work really well as a team, and they are attracted to each other, and she protects him. Him. stay away from randy but she also loves being a slayer she slays she has this look of delight on her face and she's like oh, i'm a superhero or something i'm wicked strong like she's you know and she's the one who makes the plan and who just tells everybody what to do i think i know why Jonah's is in charge yeah. right um it's just this like natural there is a natural state to who we are and then there is who we are that is based upon our experience And we see that Buffy, in the moment of the sleigh, actually gets joy from what she does and from being really good at it. I thought that was kind of an interesting note. Oh, God, that's so good. That's so, Mm -hmm. so good. I also love in this, like, how people are drawn to or not drawn to each Mm -hmm. other. There is no real interaction between Anya and Xander. Mm -hmm. There's interesting, isn't it? Nothing there. Like, yeah, I don't even know if they talk to each other. I don't think they do. 
Yeah. I don't think they do, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's a that's a great bit of foreshadowing about yeah. where their relationship is headed. Um, what their relationship naturally is. Anya is more connected to Giles and to than the she store. is to Anya- And to the store. <laughs> Anya is so yeah. delighted to uh, to discover that her name is <laughs> Anya and she owns the store. <laughs> like, it's so good. With Rupert. It's so good with Rupert. Um <laughs> I like I like that Tara is still Tara when they're yeah. figuring out where they are. And she says, this is a magic shop, a real magic shop. She's mm-hmm. genuinely excited in yeah. this way that suggests that even though they've woken up with no memory of who they are, they still have their interests intact. Yeah, who I they guess. are is who they are. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like those mm-hmm. little those little moments. What I find fascinating about the body memory aspect of all of this though is that there's some weird heterosexism and relationship dynamics baked in to how we mm-hmm. behave apparently. Mm-hmm. Or at least how these characters behave. Um no. you know, when you mentioned when Xander and Willow wake up together that hey Hey, exchange. <laughs> it's yeah. funny, but it's also mm-hmm. oddly chilling. These are wildly mm-hmm. different reactions to mm-hmm. waking up snuggling with someone you don't know. Right? right. Like mm-hmm. that there's there's some there's some deep down um uh gendered implications there. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and part of me just wants to be like, oh, this is just heterosexuality like reading itself right right yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) toxic heteronormativity everybody um like but willow is rightfully disturbed by waking up Mm -hmm. snuggling with someone she doesn't know who also just acted like he knew her right Mm -hmm. like let's maybe not unpack that for a minute (laughs) And then Xander explains it away as, yeah, because I thought you were a girl and I'd remember, but... And Willow interrupts him by grabbing her breasts and saying, well, I am a girl. <laughs> and the the gender fluid part of me went, is this what it means to be cis? Like, like, <laughs> I, like if I woke up, <laughs> uh-huh. if I woke up not knowing right. who I was, like, mm-hmm. would I have a sense of my body as being, like, out of sync I don't know. I have no idea. I mean. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Being fully gendered. Yeah. Um, no, that's interesting. But it's very, I mean, it's very interesting to me how, how gendered they still are. Like everyone still uh-huh. is. Oh, yeah. Even not knowing who they are. Um, yeah. There's some like, there's some weird gender essentialism going on, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I love that as Xander realizes that he doesn't remember anything, he's immediately angry, which also feels very gendered to me. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Uh-huh. And most of Anya and Giles' interaction as a couple seems to be informed by Anya's understanding of what it means to be a couple. Right. I mean, Working from the outside like, in, right? Yeah. Like kind of kind mm-hmm. of like how she runs her relationship with Xander, in fact. Very like, much like how she runs her relationship with Xander. Yes. But when Anya's making fun of Giles's Britishisms and she says, I never know what you're talking about, there's no way mm-hmm. she could remember this. And Giles right. says so. Mm-hmm. But is she fabricating this argumentative dynamic because that's what she 
thinks a relationship is. Interesting. Like, we're engaged. We must be fighting all the time because couples be fighting. We must be close enough to irritate each other. Yeah. Like That's it's such a, it's such a weird thing to me. Like I lo- I love all of the Anya Giles stuff. I love it so much. I love the way. Oh my they god, bicker. Anya and Rupert. <laughs> I love Anya and Rupert. I ship Anya, Anya and, and Rupert. Rupert. I ship it really hard. And oh. when they kiss, I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I would love to see Giles and Anya get together, especially because she is 1,200 years old. So mm-hmm. it's okay, you know. <laughs> I mean. That's fine. That's fine. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Shall we, I mean, shall we jump right into the Giles and Anya sexual tension? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. First of all, chemistry. They have loads of chemistry. Um, I kind of love, like, I, thinking about it in context, she wasn't in the school when he was there, but she, well, actually, she was. She was a student, yeah, she was sort a of. Student. But again, like, you know, we we get into this whole, like, age stuff, you know, with, with that relationship. Like, if Anya and Giles had become a relationship, that would have been super interesting. <laughs> Although she's coded as a, as a kid in the school, so all this. But, like, now, you know, she comes across as a full adult. You know, um, they feel more like like peers than Xander and Anya, really. Yeah, you know? to me too. Um, yeah, and the, the chemistry that they have, the relationship they have, the moment that they're kissing, when they're kissing, I think there's some real shit happening there. I think there's something between, you know, Anya and Giles, kind of, you know. Well... Okay, so, okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just love this episode so much. It's so good. I know I love it too. So Giles and Anya kiss. And at first I thought I wanted a Back to the Future style moment. (laughs) You know, when I kiss you, it's like I'm kissing my brother. Like I wanted, Uh I thought that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted that reaction. But now I think I want an acknowledgement that it was super ridiculously hot. Yes. Which is maybe what the cleaning is supposed to imply. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially Anya's, like, triple yes. Giles is like, this place needs a good clean. And she's like, yes, yes, yes. Is that an orgasm joke? (laughs) I think it might be. I think it might be. I think they're uncomfortable because there's a little something there. There's a spark, you know? I And I don't know, like, from a story perspective, obviously, this is like totally subjective, right? But like, what is the better answer? Is the better answer that it was terrible? Or is it a better answer that it was great? I think that it was great. Unfortunately, we never examine any of that ever. And we will pretend like this never happened. And it's never a big deal. But... Um, I kind of, I kind of love the, the heat between Anya and Giles. And I love that moment too, like earlier when he says he's leaving and she's like, are you really leaving? You know, you can't mess with a poor shopkeeper's heart, you know? And there's something really sweet about that relationship, um, between them. And it has always been a, you know, like he's the adult and she's, you know, a kid, except that not really, you know, like, I mean, in reality, no. Yeah. Well, in other so, yeah. And of all of the core younger group, Anya mm-hmm. strikes me as the most adult. And I don't yes. know if that's just her like 
pro-capitalism, gotta protect the cash <laughs> register kind of vibe. Um, but She has a lot of knowledge. And, you know, there's this line, too, from Xander, you know, earlier in the thing where she's like, he's like, you have a lot of lovely qualities. Like, oh, she says something and he just dismisses her completely. Oh. oh, God, I hate it. I hate it so much. And I'm glad that we are almost at the end of Xander and Anya because I just cannot take the way he talks to her anymore. It's, yeah, it's it's depressing. Mm-hmm. It's distressing. It's not. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It, it's not mm-hmm. good. But Anya, Anya does come across as having a kind of adult world knowledge and experience despite being not really mm-hmm. in touch with how things work and yeah for mm-hmm. me that's such a great match for giles like i just love them together right. not necessarily yes. as a romantic couple although i gotta say i'm kind of here for i it. don't hate it yeah i don't, I don't hate, hate it. it i don't yeah. hate it yeah um mm-hmm. but yeah i i don't know i don't know but there is one there's one thing that he says um, mm-hmm. that I just, I don't, I don't know what to do with. So yeah, Anya figures out that she and she and Rupert own the shop together. Yeah. And Giles says, that's very progressive of me. Uh-huh. And I want to know, is that a hard <laughs> pivot on magic being chicanery and balderdash? Or is he being a sexist pig about owning a shop with a young a woman. woman to whom he is engaged. Oh, my God. I thought it was a hard pivot. I never read that as a sexist comment. I've always read that as a hard pivot. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that both readings are definitely valid based on the text itself. Right? I mean, maybe. I don't know. That was one of those lines where I'm like, I I just don't mm-hmm. know what to do I don't here. Know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Like, speaking of lines, I don't quite know what to do with. When they're figuring out names, I really appreciate that Xander's first thought when his last name is on Willow's jacket is, maybe I have a brother and you go out with him? (laughs) That is an interesting first thought. I don't, yeah. Yeah. Again, like, I'm not 100% sure what to do with that line, even though I love it. Mm -hmm. It's adorable. Um, Yeah. It kind of suggests that on some base level of knowing, Xander knows he's not with Willow. Mm-hmm. Or alternately, that he comes like pre-programmed with the assumption of being unlucky in love. So if some Harris is going to be dating this woman, it's his brother. It's like, I definitely not him. I think I honestly go for option B. That's yeah. how I read that. Yeah, is that he's like, I would not get this. I would not get this hot woman. So, yes. <laughs> You, you are know. correct, sir. You would not. <laughs> you are correct, sir. You did for a very short while and you managed to fuck it up hard. Oh so, my yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. He also, he definitely, Xander is, is nothing but a parade of women that he is unworthy of. You know, Cordelia, Willow, oh God. Anya. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, so for a moment here, it's nonfiction. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, off mic, we were having a conversation about fantastic women and the <laughs> mediocre men. <laughs> and the mediocre that they men that they end up with. Yes. End up with. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like, there's a lot of fun in this episode. Mm-hmm. It is so much fun. I laugh so much during this episode. Um, yeah. 
but there's a there's there's something I love in this episode that I love in the complicated sense, right? The yeah. the, the love it's painful. Where, mm-hmm. Yeah, the love where you feel a fondness for and connection to something because you recognize it as real. And yeah. that is the Willow Terra fight in the first scene. Oh God, that's heartbreaking. It's oh God, it's so it's so hard, but it's so mm-hmm good it's so it's well drawn yeah it is beautifully drawn yeah yeah and i i mean it raises the question for me of like how long after once more Mm -hmm. with feeling is this scooby tea with willow onion xander i think probably the next day like it seems like it's fairly quick it feels to me like that's a conversation they're going to get together and have fairly quickly yeah yeah, mm-hmm. it feels like not the same night, but pretty soon after. Uh, yeah, um, I don't think it's the same night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God, but that that the whole thing is so mm-hmm. so good. Um. Oh my God, yeah. And I'm I mean I'm curious about time really only because Tara is clearly going through a lot of things, right? Oh, like my God, yeah. So her response to Willow's suggestion that Willow fix Buffy's heaven memory with a spell. That no, mm-hmm. no more spells is so profound and wonderful. And Tara, yeah. you know, Tara is often the beacon of patience and compassion and calm on the show. Mm-hmm. Has She has just had it. She's fucking had it. And, and I love it. Oh I God. love seeing her put her damn foot down and be like, no, you know, yeah. this is too much. And also, did you think I was stupid? You know, she's yeah. so angry and tara is you know incredibly patient and she is always you know like wise and has these deep understandings but she's also a person you Mm -hmm. know and she gets to be upset about this and when she talks about what glory did to her how could you do this to me like her anger is righteous you know and like i'm with her and i'm glad that she's expressing it oh i am too i mean Mm -hmm. and she uses the word violate which is such a powerful word and appropriate yeah Yeah. oh absolutely Mm -hmm. it's powerful it's powerful because of what it implies and it's powerful because it is the correct choice for this spell Mm -hmm. um you know and we're I just I I love everything about this. I love I oh, love the way so this good. is written. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Willow's disproportionate use of magic showing up immediately with her sense of black and white when she yeah. says this isn't something that's going to be fixed by a video club, which, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, but also like there are levels between video club <laughs> and amnesia spell, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. when you feel powerless and all you have is a ridiculously powerful hammer, yeah. dot, 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 you know? Then like, that's what you use, sure. Yeah, I mean, my yeah. favorite my favorite metaphor for trying to fix the problem you created with the thing that created it comes from Michael Hobbs, who jokes about <laughs> a CrossFit coach who wants to fix your hurt knee with more CrossFit. So like whatever's <laughs> ailing you, more CrossFit. Like it's right, that's just the answer. More CrossFit, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we know, like, so Willow, Willow is like firmly, you know, more CrossFit, and Tara has officially had it because she yeah. finally says, "God, what is wrong with you?" 
Mm-hmm. And that is the meanest thing that happens in this whole conversation. And it feels so much more justified to me than any of the meanness that Willow, like, unloads on Tara in their previous yeah. interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see, you know, it's funny because I don't see Willow as being mean, You know, like I see she's not like lashing out. She's not slapping Tara down. What she's doing is controlling Tara and abusing Tara. And that is for me, like just beyond mean that. And that's the thing about Willow. Like Willow is incredibly unlikable in these circumstances. And we like Willow a lot. Willow has a lot at this point, a lot of political capital to spend, right? She has been the one who has been warming the cockles of our hearts since day one, since, you know, seize oh the day, you know? Yeah, since I the mean, softer side of Sears. I exactly. Mean, this is like, yeah. Yeah. And we have been on her side and we have been with her and she has been the, she had the wisdom You know, she was the one who always knew what was going on. She was the one who was always calm and trying to, like, you know, do things the right way. And then now uh, the idea also the fact that she did all this stuff to Tara. Right. And then her problem isn't that she did these things like, oh, my God, what have I done? You're absolutely right. I didn't see it. Her thing is. You know, I did it wrong. That's all she says. Yeah. She doesn't apologize. She doesn't see that that what she did was wrong. It's that she did what she did wrong, that she, she should have still done it, but maybe in a different way. And that is the thing that just at this point, it's like, if you can't see how incredibly destructive you're being at this point. And then when she makes that promise, I'll go, I'll go a month without magic. And then Mm -hmm. Tara's like a week, let's see if you can go a week. Right. And then she doesn't like, I don't think she ever had any intention of going anytime without magic. I think from that moment in that conversation, she was like, I just need to get her home so that I can do, I can get the least bramble and I can make her forget again. Like Oof. that I think is exactly what her plan was because the next morning we see her and she doesn't have a moment of hesitation. She's in her thing, you know, she's like, and then she puts on the glamour or whatever, you know, <laughs> so that she's instantly ready and then uses that time when she would have been drying her hair or whatever to, you know, cast this spell um it's it's really when when you realize that she never had any intent of going anytime with that magic she was just lying to tara so that she could manipulate her again um it's it's tough it's tough to see willow like that i mean it's really rough it's really really rough yeah i don't know i feel a little bit differently about willow in this particular fight like her Mm -hmm. i think i mean the way it's shot suggests to me that willow in this moment is sorry and you know Mm -hmm. i I think she knows what she did wrong i think she's sorry but the way that this is the way that this is shot Mm -hmm. for a substantial chunk of the scene tara is more or we see more of Tara physically than we mm-hmm. do of Willow. Willow is in a much yeah. tighter close-up than Tara. And Tara, mm-hmm. because Tara is more embodied in this conversation, she's more zoomed out in terms of the relationship. She's talking about their dynamic as a couple she can overall. See more. Mm-hmm. And Willow is making, she, her, her, what she's bringing up is, you know, not just this violation, but Willow is making decisions for both mm-hmm. of them and using magic. Yeah. Where Whereas Willow is tight in 
the immediate moment. Like her focus mm-hmm. is on the immediate confrontation. Um, right. And I think that, I mean, I don't know. This feels, this feels like the Willow that I love. I mean, mm-hmm. she's not taking responsibility. You're absolutely right about that. But she is deeply uncomfortable being confronted. And we see that. Yeah. And the discomfort doesn't turn to anger or hostility the way it has mm-hmm. before. This is much more like, I fucked up and I feel shame. Yeah. And I don't know how to repair it. Like, it very mm-hmm. much reads as the something I did hurt someone I love and I don't have the, like... I can't get out mm-hmm. of my ego enough to really acknowledge the hurt that the other yeah. person is feeling because I'm still so, like, in my shame at being confronted. Mm-hmm. I mean, her little, like, I love you. Like, it's so timid. And I think she means I love you as in I'm sorry, but she's still too in her own shame at being confronted to truly apologize. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I'm like, I'm yes-anding your comments, essentially. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I love I love that this is the fight that we get in the episode where Tara leaves because Tara yeah. advocating for herself is so huge and mm-hmm. Willow, like, beginning to see this. Like, we see Willow in this uncomfortable light that I think, I think is kind of sort of in the seeding of the magic use as addiction kind of yeah. mm-hmm. um, yeah. storyline. But mm-hmm. it's... Oh God, it's so. It it it's re- it's hard. Like it's really mm-hmm. really painful to to watch, and I just I love it because that that zoomed in. Like I can't mm-hmm. acknowledge the hurt that I've caused. Yeah. Like I don't. I think when Willow offers to go a month without magic, I think in that moment, like she believes that she will do that. I think in that moment, in that tight, tight close up when it's just her and Tara and she is staring down the reality of like Mm -hmm. maybe losing this person who's the most important person in her life. I think she means it 100 percent. And I think this is this is a place where the. You know, the addiction metaphor, the maladaptive coping mechanism metaphor mm-hmm. works for me in that. Yes. Yeah. Like in that moment of confrontation with the person that I love. Yes, I will. Absolutely. I am never mm-hmm. I will never do this again. I promise right. you. I love you. Please mm-hmm. don't leave me. You know, it's like that is a that is a real moment that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us have have had probably on one yeah. or more sides of that, you know, <laughs> dynamic. But yeah. then when you get back into everyday life, which is the next place that we see her use magic. And mm-hmm. full disclosure, if I could do my hair magically, I completely would. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Seriously, hair and makeup? Absolutely. If I could snap my finger? Absolutely. Oh my God. If I could make my hair yeah. look that good with magic? Anyway. I know, right? Oh, but it's, oh you God. know, I... Mm-hmm. So I give, and I don't know, maybe I'm giving Willow too much mm-hmm. um, benefit of the doubt. Maybe I'm giving her too much credit because I mm-hmm. definitely, like, I see um, familiar. <laughs> yeah. I see for I see familiar um, uh, mm-hmm. dynamics playing yeah. mm-hmm. around, you know, mm-hmm. in this sure. in this relationship. Um, sure. But yeah, it is like it is really it. What what Willow does, Tara is absolutely correct. And what mm-hmm. Willow does to her 
yeah. is a violation. And mm-hmm. Tara makes an interesting observation, which is if you yeah. don't want to fight, you don't fight. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure because Willow says that she does this because she doesn't want to fight. She she right. does the memory spell because she's, she doesn't want to fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely sure what to do with that because not fighting ever also feels like a relationship red flag to me. But maybe well, I think it depends on yeah. how you define fighting. Okay. Like to me, I define fighting as like you are entrenched in complete conflict and like yelling at each other as opposed to having a an open discussion where you're like hey you did this thing it crosses this boundary for me we've got to have this talk like there's there's the talking and the discussion and the working through conflict that to me is not fighting that is open communication that is conflict management right but fighting is what the hell is wrong with you you know mm-hmm. like that is fighting so i think that i think that that's uh, that's what i what i read and what tara was saying not that like you if you it's not if you don't want to disagree you don't disagree it's like if you don't want to fight you don't fight mm. you know mm-hmm. you just have the discussion distinguishing between a fight and a hard conversation yes i think so i think that's yeah. what she's doing a terror does not seem the kind to me to be like let's just pretend it's okay despite the fact that we have uh you know later on in the season a moment that sort of indicates that <laughs> can we just skip it you know yeah um yeah which you know also relatable but <laughs> but you also get the can you just be kissing me now line which is totally. like totally yeah. well yeah you know i Tara, love that line it's oh god oh my god oh <laughs> i'm just i'm just, sorry yeah. i'm just like like preemptively dying a little inside because yeah. of that line oh, I know. Um, yeah but it's i mean god it's so good it's so mm-hmm. so brilliant um yeah but yeah like i i think it is the like Willow thinks Willow is primed for a fight and Tara is having a hard conversation and it's mm-hmm. so so heartbreaking. Yeah. When Tara says this isn't going to work and <gasps> Willow says it is it's working and Tara's head just like she yeah. just hangs her head because Willow just made Tara's point for her which is it's working yeah. for Willow. Right. And it's, I, oh God, I love everything it's about this fight. It's so hard. Yeah. I love everything about hard conversation. I love everything yeah. about this. <laughs> I love everything about it except the ending. Willow asks, right. Are you saying you're going to leave me? Mm-hmm. And we never get Tara's answer because we go to Buffy and Giles. Yeah. And dramatically, and as a parallel for the revelations from Once More with Feeling, it's a great choice to edit the conversation mm-hmm. here. But In a conversation where Tara is so clearly setting boundaries and advocating for herself in this Mm -hmm. relationship, I would have liked to have heard her answer. I'm actually okay with it because I don't think that she answered. You know, like I I always figured she didn't answer because the answer was yes and she just couldn't say it yet. And I, I have a lot of sympathy for that position i know i've been in that position before you know um where you know the answer but you just are not ready to say it yet you know and so that's what i got from that and it breaks my heart more knowing that tara knows uh but is is not ready to say it yeah tara tara mm-hmm. doesn't want to ma- tara doesn't want to make the decision that she ultimately makes which is yeah again so relatable so painful. i 
no and willow doesn't give her a choice and it's just so heartbreaking but it's so good it is well drawn Yeah. yeah yeah oh god so this i mean this relationship cut to Oh, Buffy yeah. and Giles. Mm-hmm. Right? I heard I love the I love the quality of that moan groan, <laughs> whatever. Like cause yeah, Buffy yeah. is pissed off at Giles and like rightfully so, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, this whole thing is so weird and it's so stupid. And it, he could learn a thing or two from Tara. You set a boundary and then you defend it. And there you go. And when Buffy says, okay, I just won't lean on you so much. Like, he doesn't even give her a chance. He doesn't tell her any of this stuff. His song is done and Buffy can't hear him. He's not talking to Buffy, you know? Well, yeah, Um, because Giles needs, I mean, Giles needs better boundaries with Buffy, but he needs better boundaries with himself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, ultimately, that is what the issue is here, right? Because Mm -hmm. he claims that it's not good for her when he steps in, when she's having a hard time. But it's not on the stepped in upon to toughen up. It's on the stepper in, Giles. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, oh, God, I fucking hate this. And then Mm -hmm. when he he says he doesn't want to cause her any more suffering and she essentially says, okay, great. So, like, don't leave. Right. Right. He falls back into watcher mode Mm -hmm. as though this were all about the watcher slayer dynamic. Like, Uh, it is. No. It is so not about any sort of watcher slayer relationship. Exactly. It is about Giles not being mm-hmm. able to cope with his own daddy issues, a.k.a. he feels like more of a father to Buffy than he would like to. And he can't mm-hmm. reconcile that. Yes, which would be interesting if textually that was what we were going for. But it's not like I get that Anthony Stewart head was leaving the show. They needed to write him out. But this rationale is just stupid. And the and they they play it as though this is the correct rationale, as though this is a reasonable choice for him to make. And it simply is not, you know. Um, and that's what drives me crazy about it is that I love your read on this, that this is about his internal conflict with Buffy meaning more to him as a daughter, you know, than this oh, yeah. colleague relationship that he signed up for, you know, um, and that that's something that he's struggling with. I would love if they had actually played in that space, but instead they're just treating this like this is the reason why Giles is leaving and he's right and he's not. Yeah. I mean, there really is. There is a super compelling, like very adult story going on behind the scenes that's just Mm -hmm. not explored, which is Giles's evolving sense of what he is to Buffy and what Buffy is to Mm -hmm. him. But, you know, we don't explore that because the show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not Giles the Vampire Slayer Watcher. Although (laughs) here for it. Um, here for it absolutely but the way it's glossed over as i've taught you everything i can as your watcher it's like i don't Mm -hmm. think so dad i don't think so (laughs) dad right i mean her mother has died she's 20 years old she's died as well you know um, she's come back from the dead he just found out that she was returned from heaven like they are family and he should be you know helping her and taking care of her. And instead he's like, hey, you know what? Go get a job at the Double Meat Palace, bitch. I'm going to London. And I just, it doesn't seem, first of all, it doesn't seem like the Giles that we know, 
You know, the Giles that was so torn up in the freshman for making Buffy handle something by himself that he ran to her side with weapons, you know, to yeah. like at the end of the fight. Um, so, yeah, like I don't I, I can see it being a struggle for him and that like, you know, we had the whole thing in Fool for Love where they were going through and talking about watchers losing their slayers and that um, and that he said, I think that watchers don't talk about it because it's too painful. Right. You know, yeah. um, and so we had that whole setup about like losing Buffy was so incredibly painful for him and now he's back and she's there and he doesn't like he feels like he can, it would still be kind of bullshit but at least and if we dealt with it in a way that actually had Giles deal with the consequences of his bullshit opinions right you know or his <laughs> bullshit ideas and and at the end realizing that he was wrong and like apologizing to Buffy for abandoning her you know um, then I could see this story having a little more weight to it you know like working a little bit better but as it is right now we're just acting as though this is the complete completely reasonable and correct, you know, parenting decision for Giles to make. And it is just simply not, you know, it doesn't matter that she's a kid and he's the parent. Like this is uh, one of your people like, OK, we have this in a family metaphor as like father and daughter. But regardless, like Buffy is one of Giles's people, probably his main person, yeah. you know, and when your person, whether adult or child is in the shit, you don't say, oh, well, I would clean this shit off, but I really don't think that's best for you. So I'm going to bugger off across an ocean. And just not be here until you figure your shit out. And then once you figure your shit out, you don't need me. Maybe I'll come back for Thanksgiving. Like, whatever. You it know? sucks no. so hard. It sucks it so does. hard. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, they could have done... I mean, this would have come across as shitty. I mean, equally yes. shitty, differently shitty. But, like, a story about Giles wanting his life back because he mm -hmm. signed up to have a slayer, not a child. Yeah. Um, which, again, like... That, I feel like that would have made him look shitty, but he looks shitty anyway. He looks shitty anyway. If you so, acknowledge that he looks shitty and you make it something that he's working through, then at least that's interesting. But yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't care for it. It's not a good, it, no, it's, it's not, not a good decision. There it's are other great. ways to write characters out of shows. <laughs> like, yes. There just are. Like, like, uh, yeah, there's there's better ways to handle, you know, all of this with Giles. If Giles has to leave, you know, if he's if he's helping, if there's something in England that he can do that will actually be helpful, if he's looking for something that will, you know, going to research something and I have to go for a little while or like whatever, like there's a million different ways you can do it. This is the most slapdash. We just have to write this dude off the show. We're not even going to take time to think about it kind of way. Um, and Go to it England, feels advocate like the for first. Slayer's rights. Come on, man. Right, <laughs> exactly. Like, so I, I'm going to go to England. I'm going to go to the Watchers Council. I'm going to try to get you a salary, like, because you need this for, you know, dealing with all this. Yes, I'm going to help you in some way. This is what I'm going to do. And it requires that I leave. Yeah, you know, something. But this is so dumb. And it feels like everybody's like, all right, you know, Tony's leaving. We got to figure out a way to write him off the show. And somebody's like, well, let's just do this. And then nobody thought about it. Nobody. They're just like, all right, fine, move on. And that's it. Um, it just it really doesn't work. And it's it feels to me like a break in Giles as a character, you know? So. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I like your read on it. I think that your read has has more nuance, you know, to it. It would still make Giles wrong, but at least we'd be textually walking him through a process, you know? I mean, compelling, like, that's a compelling story, right? I think right? so. Like, Absolutely. Especially, I mean, I'm, I line in the sand, season six, relationship season, like, the shifts yes. in relationships mm-hmm. and then the shifts in ourselves as yep. relationships change and all of that. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's there's there's a compelling story to be told and it's not told and it's a bummer but yeah it really is but then we get you know but then we get giles thinking that he's spike's dad so that's great which is the Um, best yeah 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 i feel a sense of disappointment okay i feel a sense sense of familiarity and disappointment disappointment exactly their whole dynamic their whole father-son dynamic they do have a father-son dynamic and it's kind of awesome i love it well and spike is wearing the suit that he wears in restless when he is being pushed on the swing by giles so the hot nerdy outfit why is it still hot even with the hunting cap it is still hot and the hunting cap annoys me because it brings to me like catcher in the rye which is a book i've Mm. always hated i know everybody shut up leave me alone i know it's classic i hate it um Uh, something uh, can be a classic and terrible that is possible anyway (laughs) thank you very much i just i have no time in my life for catcher in the rye um but i mean i just that he's still hot in this nerdy outfit disguise that he's in you know is completely weird to me but spike's whole thing in this episode is there's so much fun stuff happening that I absolutely love with him. He's okay. So I think I teased this mm-hmm. last time. <laughs> um, this is my like solid proof for mm-hmm. Spike the dog, right? <laughs> Spike. So as we all, as we know from yes. the discussion that I had with Dr. Kelly Jones for all the way. Um, All vampires are either cats or dogs, and Spike is very much a dog. (laughs) And not only is he a dog, but he is Uh the goodest boy. I love it. Like, like what? 12 out of 10 would scratch? Like, (laughs) his first thought on vamping Uh out is, hey, I'm a superhero, too. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's so cute. And then when Buffy gets him to recognize that he's a vampire... He's like, so how come I don't want to bite you? And why am I fighting other vampires? And then he considers it for half a second. I must be a noble vampire. I love that whole narrativizing. Oh, my God. Mm. He's just a good dog. Like, like deep down, deep down, he wants to be a good dog. Uh Uh-huh. That's his oh. nature, right? What is our yes. nature? What is our essential nature? You know, well, with no yeah. memory, no memory yeah. of who he is. He... And no knowledge of the chip. Yeah, he defaults to being a good boy. And then he does Mm -hmm. Angel's whole shtick, which (laughs) is so good. my favorite thing. I love that so much. And then he goes into full inspirational Mm -hmm. speaker mode. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. But what I love about about this this whole thing is that before he faulty logics himself into I'm a good guy, Mm -hmm. he behaves as a good guy. Right. Mm -hmm. So... 
what like what is he deep down like deep down he's a good dog (laughs) it brings it brings you back to that like nature discussion we started the show with you know i mean the thing is like his his goodness here is you know uh, he doesn't try to attack anybody he's working with them but he's also being attacked like they're coming after him and he's defending himself Um, but the thing is like and he also knows that he doesn't want to bite buffy Like, you know, that's the only evidence that's only human. Like he's been around significantly. I mean, he they have the whole like discovering who they are conversation at the beginning. But um, but, you know, he doesn't want to bite her. And he says, but I don't want to bite you. It's not that I don't want to bite anybody. It's that I don't want to bite you because he loves her, you know. So like and the idea of Spike as a dog, I think, makes sense because we look at the chip and the chip is like a dog on a leash, like a Mm -hmm. dog that will fucking bite your face. But he's on a leash, so he can't. So does that make him a good dog? Like. I don't know. Is he just at war with his identity? I mean, when Drusilla came back last year, he fed off a victim. But at the same time, he wasn't happy about it. He was conflicted about it. And in the end, he chose to save Buffy over Drusilla, you know, which is a big, big thing. So when you look at Spike's essential nature, he is like, I think, very much at war with himself. And Mm -hmm. I think to a certain extent, even before the chip was a little bit at war with himself, that there was this this essential goodness. in it. we're going to see next season and lies my parents told me uh, even as a vampire he still loved his mommy you know he still wanted to take care of her and wanted to make her better so there was still love there was still behavior inspired by genuine love and I think that's what makes Spike such a compelling character in general you know, is that when even when he's a vampire, even before he's got the leash on, um, there is something about him that is internally at conflict. Yeah. Well, and we'll see it next week, too, with mm-hmm. the Smashed, where he, yeah. you know, when he figures out that, like, he thinks something's up with his chip and yeah. he goes to feed on the girl in the alley and he's like even before the chip activates and he can't do it he's kind of mm-hmm. talking himself into it like right it's yeah. been a while but it's, i'm it's still difficult. a killing machine like he's try he's like hyping yeah. himself up because mm-hmm. i mean i don't know i think there is a part of him that yeah. doesn't want to do like he he doesn't want to be a bad guy Right. Possibly. I think, well, yeah, I think his whole sense of identity, his identity is definitely in conflict with itself. His sense of himself is in conflict. He, I think, like, one of the things that Angel says about being a vampire, about being Angelus, is that there's clarity. Like, he knows what he is. He knows what he wants to do. And he is perfectly fine with it. There is absolutely no conflict in Angel when he is Angelus. But Spike is still conflicted. Before the chip, he was conflicted. It's always been there, you know? Um, And I find that really interesting about him. And that's part of what makes him, for me, such a compelling character. Because he wants everything, right? He wants wants access to all of the bad Mm -hmm. guy stuff and access to all of the good guy stuff. He just likes doing stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. He's, I mean... So he gets more interesting. Like he he gets more interesting as a character. I think uh-huh. the more I like unpack him, that's yeah. one of the best things to me about Spike. Yeah. Plus, you know that outfit. <laughs> oh my god! How is he hot in that outfit? How does James Morris just do it? I have absolutely no idea. 
and maybe I'm the only one who thinks he's hot in the hunting cap and the nerdy oh. outfit. But I do. <laughs> Randy Giles, I'm into it. Oh my god, that conversation. Yes. Randy Giles, I knew there was a reason I hated you. I hated you. <laughs> so great. It's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. I I love him being primed to like be angry at his father. I love yeah. Giles and Spike like fake manly hug. I love that hug. I know. It's so oh, sweet. It's, it's so, so good. sweet. It's so awkward and, you know, unfulfilling and just incredibly sweet. I love it. So good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to talk about the thing that I hate the most, which is actually a thing that you love, which is the oh. fucking shark demon. Oh the my lone God. shark that is a literal shark. Oh my God. We are moving from metaphor to absurdist comedy and I fucking hate it, but you love oh it. Tell me why you love it. I love it. Okay. All right. He's a literal card shark or lone shark. Or I think he's a lone he's shark. He's a literal yeah. He is a literal shark. Whatever he is, he is a visual pun, and I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. It's uh, so fucking funny. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just love it. I'm. I. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the way he calls Spike a Mister Spike. The way he clicks yes. his teeth mm-hmm. at Buffy. When she's like, why don't you just use money instead of kittens? And he's just like, she's Uh funny. I like that in a girl. He's got this like, listen, papa kind of thing. It's so good. He does. I mean, the performance is great. Yeah. The combination of Raymond O'Connor's performance and the ridiculous, like, (laughs) he has straight. So not only does he have the shark head, but he's got these He's got little Finn flipper hands like Danny DeVito as the penguin in Batman mm-hmm. Returns. Yeah. He's just, it's so good. And I think, I think you can actually tie a tie with those little flipper hands, but I don't know. Can you? Um, I don't know. There's something about it. <laughs> it's so goofy and he's so compelling and yeah. just bonkers. I, I, just, I love it. I just, and we, we, we're back to the whole fucking kittens thing. Which I hate, I know, which I hated I in, hate in Life Serial, and I hate it now because it is absurdist comedy. That's not what we do here. That's not what happens on Buffy. It breaks the world, and I fucking hate it. But I do love this one line. Time, Mr. Spike. Time is what turns kittens into cats. And, like, I love that line <laughs> it's so a- out of... It's great. It's a great line. And like the performance is great. And like I got nothing against the guy doing that. I mean, everything like it's just the the shark and the the literal lone shark who is a shark demon. I mean, for fuck's sake. And the kittens are ridiculous. And I hate that whole thing. Um, You know, I don't know. It just drives me crazy. But I love that you love it. I love when you love the things that I hate, because then it means that I don't have to worry about hating them. You will love it enough for both of us. And we can just move forward. But I mean, I think I am in the minority here. Like, I think I think I'm the only one I've heard express like pure hatred for this fucking shark and for the kitten poker. Everybody else seems to love it. So I believe I I am the unpopular opinion here. I also love that the shark is the episode's red herring. Like, come on! (laughs) Come on! It's so good! It's so good. It's so so stupid. I love it. There's something so wrong with me. I don't know. I don't don't think there's anything wrong with you. I think, honestly, you have, I believe, the more, you know, standard opinion on it. Most people, I I think, like it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
give me a dad joke any day. Like, I yeah, right. Love a, I love a dad joke. This is this is like the dadliest catch of dad jokes. This is just catch. you can't. Oh God, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it. I'm sorry. Shark, okay, good. Shark. No, I'm no, I'm glad. I'm glad that you enjoy it. I and wish that I could enjoy it. I have tried to enjoy it. I just can't. <laughs> Mr. Spike. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> All right, get it together, Lacroix. We got a podcast to finish. Um, <laughs> All right. So, so more seriously, though, mm-hmm. I mean, there's. So we talked a little bit about like memory and physicality Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like obviously like willow willow's body is gay you guys like she knows she Uh knows kind of gay sorry let me Mm -hmm. not label people kind of gay kind of gay right um Mm -hmm. but there's also something about like memory and voice Mm -hmm. that is going on when joan says okay i've got a plan Mm-hmm. Sarah Michelle Geller is doing something with her voice. Oh God, that's so interesting. It's like You're she's right. speaking yeah. just a little higher in her register. Mm-hmm. Like Buffy, I don't know enough about voice and voice acting to see what's going on here, but her voice mm-hmm. just sounds a little bit lighter. It's like Buffy yeah. without memory of the recent, you know, yanked from heaven, woke <laughs> yeah. up in her grave trauma. She just sounds a little brighter and sunnier. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, you talked about the the genuine joy in mm-hmm. slaying it, discovering yeah. that she's powerful, and she did a thing, and it was cool. It was cool, wicked like, strong. Yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Like partly, I mean, maybe part of it is this element of like I will keep myself safe by modulating my voice to sound feminine and pleasant, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. something that a lot of us do. Um, yeah. Which, again, mm-hmm. suggests some memory of, like, gender dynamics with regard to power and safety. Yeah. That remains. Mm-hmm. But I also think that there's something to, like, slaying, slaying and, like, being, discovering her calling. Mm-hmm. Her, the, like, the, the, the physicality of her calling translating to... This way of expressing herself that is just a little bit lighter, like her voice sounds Mm -hmm. less weighed down. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, excuse me, I seem to be pretty strong, wicked strong. Um, Faith? Hello? <laughs> what? It was a shout to Faith. I like that. What? What I is like that, that doing read? there? I love it. I adore I, yeah. it. Wicked yeah. strong. But I know, it's nice. Is it is it like the 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 faith swagger, like the pleasure the, of slaying? The joy of the sleigh that yeah, that is associates that in her head like, with I, faith, maybe. Yeah. It's yeah. so great. I that love is so it. Interesting. I don't I, it's it's delightful. I mean, someone could write a master's level thesis on this episode. Like, there's so know, much there's going so on. There's so much stuff going on, and then it's it's um it's incredibly powerful. We have this heartbreaking scene with Tara and Willow in the beginning. Then you know we see Willow violating that agreement once again, right? Um, and that's you know a lie and and a betrayal in that, and that she's actually going to fuck with Tara's mind again, knowing exactly and explicitly from Tara what that meant to Tara you know um so there's all this stuff that's like all this tragedy and then 
it's fucking hilarious. Like the whole thing, you know, the Giles and uh, the Rupert and Anya thing. Yeah. Um, you know, Randy Giles, uh, you know, whatever Umad, like all of this <laughs> stuff. It's really, it's fun and it's funny. It's hilarious. And then, you know, Xander steps on the crystal. He cracks it. Life goes back to the way it was. And then we open into Goodbye to You from Michelle Branch singing at the bronze, right? And then this episode that has all of this humor and all of this silliness mixed inside a tragic story, which I fucking love. You know, it's comedy inside tragedy. It's a comedy sandwich inside tragedy bread. I love it. Um, And then at the end, it's so fucking like you're getting punched in the face with all of these feels. Um, You know, Buffy alone at the bronze. She turns away from Spike. And then, of course, turning towards him at the end when they're kissing, you know, and she's just reaching out to feel something. Um, We have Tara packing up and leaving. And oh, my God, when she reaches out to Dawn and Dawn won't talk to her and runs up the stairs. I cry every single time. It's so sad. That is gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's gut wrenching when yeah. Tara that little gesture to Dawn and John Dawn just books it up the stairs. Oh, oh my God! It's so sad because Dawn doesn't understand. Dawn doesn't know what's going on, you know. And so Tara looks like the bad guy, and she does that. She just takes it. She just picks up her box and leaves. It's so sad. I, Breaks my heart every time. And Willow, you know, as mad as I am at Willow, but of course, like we say, Willow has built up a lot of political capital, not all of which has been spent on this, which just tells you how much political capital she has built up. Um, She's there just weeping on the bathroom floor. And I mean, who of us has not had that night before? You know? Oh, yeah. Um, It's so fucking sad and heartbreaking and i just the whole thing kills me and then we've got giles on the goddamn plane which makes me mad but it's also sad to see him go because i love giles he deserves that middle seat though he does deserve a middle seat i'm sorry bad parenting decisions get me exactly Um, i hope the person (gasps) sitting next to him smells like feet (laughs) it's heartbreaking it is a heartbreaking Mm -hmm. end to this like bizarro world of an episode but it works so perfectly and i love that after the spell is broken that there's almost no dialogue yeah nobody needs to say anything because everybody's just like i mean and again like whoosh you get all of your memories back all at once Mm-hmm. Oh man, like that alone would need and all some of your heartbreak. I yep. mean, all of your heartbreak, everything, all of the stuff. Oh god, but the moment that Tara looks at Willow and knows that Willow made her forget again. Yep. Like after everything, how fucking devastating must that be to turn to the person, you know, your person, the person that you believe loves you and say, "Hey, you did this thing which really hurt me." And then they go around and they do it again deliberately. Um, the betrayal of that is so devastating. Like I, I feel that so deeply in this in this show at this moment at the end. It's just fucking. It kills me. You know, especially it's so fucking right sad. on the heels of they're about to have another mm-hmm. first kiss. Like not, you know, not that I advocate for that necessarily because what you know. 
-hmm. what Willow does is terrible and could have gone a lot worse for everyone involved. And like, again, this is this is why I love this episode, like Mm -hmm. the complexity of this moment of sweetness that is not genuine. Right. But Willow having to like rediscover her mm-hmm. sexuality in the moment and then it right. really for a split second looks like maybe they're going to have a first kiss ish mm-hmm. oh it's just uh, and then it, willow has the guilty dog look like that you know the look as she's sitting there tara stands up and we look down on willow yeah realizing with that just guilt and shame over what she's done yeah um god it's all it's all just it's a devastating smack of an ending you know and to have this comedy mixed with this tragedy in one episode is so beautifully done i love it i think it's great so noel i gotta ask you what's your favorite part oh my god i can't like i li- it's blank in my script because yeah. i have to have like a if, if you want to if you want to pick spike's hotness and the nerdy outfit i'll, I'll give it to you <laughs> Oh my god! Like I, I almost want like a like a top yeah. ten because well, there, it's your podcast. There, you can do whatever the hell you want. I mean, I mean, the real answer is like the episode as a whole, right? Yeah. I just love, I mm-hmm. love everything. There are so many things that I love. There, there, there are these little mm-hmm. details in this episode that yeah. I love, like when Willow and Xander show up at the magic box. Anya and Tara are thumb wrestling. I know. Oh my god, it's so adorable. I love Which, it is so cute it's what tara does with dawn to distract her yeah um also tara mcclay like thumb wrestling champion is there something that we like Uh, apparently is a thing but there's something we don't know like, Did you see the moment with Anya, though? Like, right when the meeting starts, and it almost feels like it's an Emma Caulfield thing, maybe not an Anya thing, but there's this moment, like, they pull away from each other to, like, break the thumb wrestle, and then Anya reaches her arm out to touch Tara, like, okay, that was fun. You know, it's such a sweet gesture. I just brilliant. love it. I love it so I much. Love, I love Anya and Tara together, mm-hmm. and we don't get yeah, much of them. Yeah, we but they're don't. Just, like I when love, they're in, uh, in yeah. I was made to love you when they're just walking down the street and Anya's explaining, you know, uh, online trading to yes! Tara. Yes! And Tara's so sweet. And Tara's also like, I love the moment in the beginning of this episode when Xander is dismissive as fuck about Anya. And then yeah. Tara says, no, it's perfectly fine to wonder what it was like for her and what this experience is for her. And I'm like, thank you, Tara. No, you and Anya could get together and I would be OK with that. Right. Tara and Anya. Oh, yeah. Anya would get oh. treated exactly the way that she's supposed to be treated. Yes. Okay. Tara would treat her right. Send me that fan fiction Twitter. Uh, fuck yeah. Right? Hello. Yeah. I mean, how anyway, lovely I, would that be? It would be conflict free, though, because the two of them are just so great together. But yeah. I mean, they would have conflict over their very different interests. Maybe. It would. There would be conflict over, like, you're obviously really into this thing that I don't understand and I'm happy for you, but I don't, <laughs> don't quite speak your language on that one. Um, oh, you mean Tara towards Anya's capitalism? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I but you know what? At the end of the day, though, Tara would treat Anya right and that would be so worth it. 
and vice versa. I think they would appreciate yeah. each other's skills. I think so too. I think Anya would treat Tara well. Anya I'd... would never do to Tara what Willow has done to Tara. And Tara would never speak to Anya the way Xander speaks to Anya. I know. Now I want this so bad. How come they didn't do it? (laughs) (laughs) We were going through all of my favorite parts, which, you know, besides being the entire episode, it's just like all of the wonderful details of the episode. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Giles drooling on Anya. I love. I Uh, love that he wakes up. Like, and I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that was scripted. I don't care if mm-hmm. that was scripted. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. I love Spike's scream when he rolls off the counter. I mm-hmm. love Dawn's timid little, I don't think I drank. Oh <laughs> my God. I know. It's so sweet. I, I, I am obsessed with Spike realizing that he's English. I know. <laughs> I love that. That whole that whole run is fabulous. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So funny. I love the I love Giles and Spike deciding that they're related. Yes. And Anya saying there is a ruggedly handsome resemblance, which Aww. no, there's not. Like <laughs> it reminds me of that reductress quiz. Is he hot or is he just tall and white? Like <laughs> it's there's no resemblance. Anyway. Well, they are they are both ruggedly handsome though. Sure. Okay. So there is that. Okay. They're not they're not they're not specifically they don't specifically look alike, but they do have a shared general quality of ruggedly. A shared handsome. general quality of being ruggedly. Is he just tall and white? <laughs> tall and white. They're tall and white. That's what it is. Is he oh. hot or is he just tall and white? That's oh reductress. I wish that were my joke so oh my badly. God. So good. Anyway. So good. <laughs> I love we're just gonna yeah. we're just gonna go through the episode because I love everything yeah. about it. I love so good. um I love Willow thinking her name is funny and Tara thinking it's pretty. Oh, God. I I love Spike mocking Anya saying Rupert. Uh, (laughs) I love the fact that they call her Anya. Anya. (laughs) Anya. She even gets her name wrong. Yeah. She gets her name wrong. It's so good. I love Buffy saying, I think I can name myself. Because hell yes, you can. And why does she choose Joan? Joan of Arc. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is that yeah. it be Joan of Arc? Yeah, I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think she names herself after Joan of Arc, which is okay. adorable which in its is own right. Really, yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a moment. There's another bit of like, I don't want to call it physical comedy, but it's like mm-hmm. physical characterization. Yeah. When they've all decided to go to the hospital, Willow and Xander, who have decided that they are a couple, yeah, go to walk together, and they each put their arm out for the other to link through. They both like make an elbow. <laughs> But then they uh, bump elbows because they have I both offered the elbows. Yeah. And then Willow links her arm. She like, mm-hmm. t- she's like, oh, okay. And like links her arm through his arm and then has this great facial expression. Like, that doesn't feel right. Like, it's so, <laughs> it's so good. It's yeah. so, so good. I love Spike describing Giles's car perfectly. I yes. love Anya saying, bloodsuckers. They kill by uh. sucking blood. Take it easy, Joe. <laughs> just... <laughs> I love it. I love it. I There's love it. I so love it. many great things. Yeah. Tara so is a leader in Tara mm-hmm. with no memory. Yeah. Is the leader in mm-hmm. the crisis. I mean, mm-hmm. Joan's in charge. Don't get me wrong. But right. Tara is like, 
leading them through the sewers and helping everybody yep. get down the ladder safely. Mm-hmm. I, oh, God. <laughs> I love Giles. I love the cutaway to Giles fighting the skeleton warrior. Right. <laughs> get a different book. Oh I love that God. he's fighting left-handed. And I don't know if uh, Anthony Stewart had is left-handed, but no sword idea. fighting left-handed will always take me to the Princess Bride. I and know. I have headcanoned. I've headcanoned that Giles is not left-handed. He just Aww. is, you know, making it easy for himself. <laughs> I love I love every I love this episode. That's you so know, good. down to the tragedy of it. I love that yeah. Tara doesn't even have that much to pack. It's so oh, sad. It's so I good. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love That's it. Really I love good. it. I love it. Anyway. <laughs> now that my now that my favorite part has been 20 minutes long, <laughs> what's your favorite part, Lonnie? Well, okay, I feel like the answer I have to give is, you know, Spike in the outfit. But actually, what it is is Spike's narrativizing, his co-opting of Angel's narrative as yes. the I'm a vampire with a soul. <laughs> and then I help the like, helpless. Oh, how lame is that? Yeah. <laughs> I love that whole thing. I love him. Him. I'm noble and there's no thought of me biting you or you staking me. You know, it's so it's so wonderfully Spike. And yet Spike, uh, an aware Spike watching, unaware Spike choose that particular narrative would be so upset with himself. And it Spike just makes it even more. Himself. Like, it makes it even more delightful. Like, I just, I love, I love the whole thing. It's a fabulous episode. One of the best episodes in the run. Definitely in my top five. All right, if you enjoyed this conversation, would like to join in, connect with the show on Twitter, follow at Chipperish, and use the hashtag #StillPretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now, so thank you to our November producers. Shelly, Kristen, Jonathan, Jonathan, Rose, Erica, Alice, Abigail, and Sarah. And this week's special message for our power producers, hey, maybe we're steady buddies. To find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or get some lease bramble on the cheap at Costco. What could possibly go wrong? We will be back next time with Smashed, the ninth episode of season six. Until then, I'm uh, all sweaty and trapped, no memory, hiding in a pipe from a vampire. And I think I'm kind of gay. <laughs> <laughs>